Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to continue there today. The title of today's message is Being a Discerning Christian. Discernment is something we often talk about and uh, something that needs to be often talked about. While you get there, let me tell you about a pastor named Tony. See, Pastor Tony was walking down the street on a, on a blistery cold night, and he noticed Larry. Now, Larry is a little boy trying to press a doorbell of a, of a house across the street from him. However, Larry is small, and the doorbell is too high for him to reach. And so after watching Larry's efforts for some time, Pastor Tony moves closer to Larry's position, and he walks up behind the little guy, and he says, he says nothing, but he places his hand on, his, on, his, on the little boy's hand and kindly, and, and then he rings the doorbell for him. And now crouching down to Larry's level, Pastor Tony smiles and he asks, And now what, little man? To which Larry replies with a big grin on his face, Now we run! <laughs> All right, we're back in the book of 2 Corinthians. And this is um, going to pick up at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. It'll be on the screen as well. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted? because I preach the gospel of God to you free of charge. I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the warnings that your word gives us. We ask that you would help us to take it to heart, that you would help us to live out your word and to be discerning. And we thank you for an advance in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Discerning Christians don't put up with scripture twisting. They don't put up with robbers in the church and they always make sure they're being taught the truth. Number one, don't put up with the gospel and scripture twisting. Some people can twist the gospel and they can twist the scripture. We need to not put up with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And we're going to look through four. And I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation this time. And it says, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. This is one of Paul's churches, okay? He planted this, and he exposes his heart to them, and and, and how much he cares for these believers. It's the same for any pastor, for any minister. Paul is worried that they will be taken advantage of by false teachers and preachers, and, and he's worried that these believers will take the simplicity of the gospel and that they'll start to add things to it, and they'll start to make it harder for people to so-called be saved. And there's things, you know, that cannot be added because the gospel is simple. We have this happening all over America and the world today. We have the name it, claim it movement that takes a proverb or or another scripture and blows it away out of proportion. They'll take this scripture, for example, Proverbs 18.20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth and from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, they're going to tell you that this is in response to everything you say that comes out of your mouth. Everything that comes out of your mouth, you're going you're gonna to have that, whether it's good or bad. They'll even tell you that this is because you're a little God. Well, guess what? You're not a little God. You're a human being. And let me bring some hard truth. You are not a little God. You are not a little God. You are a human who is from humanity, and humanity is born in sin and has a bent towards sin and is still in need of a Savior. The Savior is Jesus Christ. By the way, the Scripture is not some mystical force that comes out of your mouth that it's talking about here. It's talking about generalities here. If I'm speaking mean to people, then people won't have anything to do with me, now will they? And if I'm sweet to people and and care about what they have to say then people will befriend me because they know I'm genuine. We teach children this same truth all throughout elementary school, but somewhere about third grade they start to forget, and then they start being mean to each other and cliquish. And that doesn't really go away all the time. And they learn real quick that their words have power, and they can alienate someone with their words, and they use it to their advantage. You see, these false teachers will take these generalities of Scripture and they will take it and turn it into something it's not. Some kind of mystical, powerful force. And that's not what's in view here. Paul says to them to not put up with this evil Scripture twisting that would rob the gospel of its simplicity and its power and replace it with doctrines of demons. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly 
that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. There are some people in these so-called churches and, and so-called movements out there that are, that are not actually saved. For example, there's a pastor out there, or was, from uh, Hillsong, New York. And he was disgraced during the COVID pandemic because he committed adultery. And he never actually preached the gospel, they found out later. There were many times he just never uttered the name of Jesus from the stage or from the pulpit. It was, it was all about the music and the hype and all about him. And it had nothing to do with Jesus. That's a false gospel. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of gospel or a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. Remember, Paul preached the simple gospel, which, by the way, means good news. 1 Corinthians 2.1, remember that one? When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. What exactly is the simple gospel then that we talk about? What exactly is the gospel that should not be messed with? Well, it's this. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I have sinned, you have sinned, everybody has sinned. Me, you, the Pope, everyone. All have sinned and we're born into sin. And we know that our wages for sin is death in Romans 6.23. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of this, you... You're destined for hell without Jesus' sacrifice. We're all on a conveyor belt heading straight to hell if it weren't for Jesus. But God's free gift of salvation comes through His sacrifice. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For He did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. That was His goal. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's right, Christ died for us. He was born of a virgin. He lived 30 years and for three years did signs, wonders, and miracles that showed He is God in the flesh, 100% man, 100% God. And He died on the cross for all your wrongdoing and not doing the things that you know you should have done but you didn't do. And then he rose from the grave three days later and he proclaimed victory over death, hell, and the grave. 
And we're given this promise in Romans 10, 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All that is required for you to be saved is to call upon the name of the Lord. This means that you believe the gospel through and through. It's been, as it's been presented, without any extra works added to it, without any extra stuff, just believe in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. These so-called super-apostles in the midst of the Corinthian church were adding to the gospel. They were adding works, and works are not part of the gospel. They were spouting false teachings and drawing people off to themselves and not to Christ. And Paul says when people like this show up, to not even give them a platform from which to speak. Don't let them spew their corrupt teachings to the congregation or to the people. And that means that you as a Christian should bear them no mind. If you have a question about a teacher or a teacher, you can ask a trusted Christian ally who maybe you know they know the scriptures real well. You can come to me and let me help you do the research. More than likely, I've already heard it before and I can give you an answer on the spot. But don't just trust in me. It's all about the Bible. Trust in the Bible. Trust in the Bible. And then Paul talks about, he calls them robbers. Watch out for sly robbers in the church. That's number two. Watch out for sly robbers in the church. And by the church, I mean church universal. 2 Corinthians 11.5 says, But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We've made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. And when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you and I never will be. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you. God knows that I do. One thing that's missing from their, their, their new teachers is humility. They're constantly bragging about themselves or things that they've experienced. Whereas Paul says, let others do the boasting. And he doesn't even boast about himself. As a matter of fact, this is one of the only places that he will. And he calls it foolishness. Paul says he was an unskilled speaker, but he did not lack knowledge. These teachers were slick as snot, folks. Some of y'all looking at me like, that's disgusting, Pastor. And some of y'all looking at me like, yeah, that's pretty cool, I'm going to steal that. These guys were like today's popular speakers. They were charismatic, they were likable, they were good to look at. I'm a little fat, so I'm not good to look at. And I don't know how charismatic I am, but I'm getting there. And I hope I'm likable, but I don't have that big grin. I try. You know what? Paul didn't care how likable they were. They were false, and so he wasn't intimidated by them. 
One thing Paul noted was how these men were preaching to get worldly gain. They weren't just living comfortably. No, they were robbing them blind, taking everything they had. Kind of like some charlatans in times past and today that we've seen on television and other places. You know, my grandmother, before she died in around 1995-1996, we found some things out. She had her couch covering a hole in the floor and a refrigerator was held up by a two-by-four. Nobody knew it. She was taking all she had, which was uh, not much of her Social Security at the time, and sending it off to one of these charlatan folks on TV who took that money and went to a strip club with it. I'm sure you know, you've heard of that. And he's not the only one who's done it in the past, but... We found all this stuff out afterward and how sad it was because she was a prayer warrior, man. It breaks my heart to think of that. My grandmother, not knowing any better, was bankrolling a false teacher who used his money on sin. You better believe he's going to have to answer for that. That's what false teachers will end up doing. In contrast to these false teachers, when Paul first showed up, God put on his heart not to take anything from them, but to rely on support from other churches. You know, that's how mission still works today. We send missionaries to start churches. Churches coming together to fund missionaries to preach the gospel without charge to those who are hearing it. And that's what our cooperative program at Southern Baptist was supposed to be. Matthew 10, 8 says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And that's why we support missions. You know, this was a radical concept at the time. Because the norm is to take an honorarium wherever you go. And indeed, that is an honorarium for today. When somebody visits a church, they receive an honorarium to speak. But these false teachers weren't doing that. No, they were pilfering all they had in order to increase their worldly riches. And don't tell me it don't happen today. Anybody remember the gold faucets? Some of these guys had gold faucets. Now, I don't know if this is an old wives' tale or not, but somebody told me that one guy had an AC for his doghouse. I don't know if I believe that, but maybe you can straighten me out later. Um, but this is one metric you can use to kind of give you a red flag as to whether there's something wrong with a particular preacher or teacher. Ask yourself, how often and how much time do they spend on the subject of money? I'm not talking about preaching through a book and you come across it. I'm talking about every time they open their mouth, it's on money. Matter of fact, there's a guy out there called, his last name is Dollar. And every time they show a sermon of his on TV, it's about the dollar. Got to watch out for some of these guys. And I know that I'm spending time right now, but we came across it in Scripture. But I'll tell you, if we see a large percentage of that, that's a red flag right there. Look into it. Look into the Scripture. Make sure he's expositing, teaching the Scripture properly. 
And lastly, be discerning about who teaches you. Be discerning about who teaches you. 2 Corinthians eleven twelve says this, But I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servant also disguised themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. If I came up to you and I said, hey, guess what? I'm a false preacher. You think you'd listen to me? Well, of course not. You'd pay me no mind. But that's not how it goes. It never is. There's always enough truth mixed with error in order to sound good. Matthew 16, 6 says, watch out. Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Matthew 23, 27 says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. As Christians, we need to be discerning, yes. Well, how do we do that? Here's some practical advice. Number one, stay prayed up. Stay prayed up. And you know what that means because we've discussed that before. Stay prayed up. Number two, stay in the Word so you can spot error. Did you know that the Bereans did this? In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, they, and it says, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Wow. Stay in the word. Number three, rely on the Holy Spirit's guidance. Rely on the Holy Spirit's guidance. Stay prayed up. Stay in the word and rely on the Holy Spirit's guidance. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 says this, and then we'll close. It says, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. We must be shrewd. And we must be harmless as doves. So what does that mean? Well, discerning Christians don't put up with Scripture twisting. They don't put up with robbers in the church, and they always make sure that they're being taught the truth. Don't put up with scripture twisting, don't put up with robbers, and always make sure that you're being taught the truth. And I know we're closing a little bit early as the ladies come, but we have business meeting too. And I hope everyone will stay for that. Let me ask you a question, though. Today's message was definitely for the current, for the person who's given their life to Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Have you and him had a, we used to call them come to Jesus moments. Have you had that recently? Have you said, Lord, and this, this is a scary prayer to pray. Lord, show me my sin. 
and then sit down because you're going to get smacked in the head with it. Trust me. And then say, Lord, forgive me, help me to change each one. Confess them all. Only then, that's part of being prayed up, can you move to the Word and then can you rely on the Holy Spirit. Those of you that aren't saved, you have no idea what I'm talking about, have no idea what it means to have the Holy Spirit reveal things to you, you may not be saved. You might want to check that first. You might want to make sure that you're sure that you're sure that when you die, you're going to wake up in heaven. That's the main thing. And like we said earlier, that's easy. Yet it's not, because Jesus said count the cost. It's going to cost you everything. But what you're going to get in return, a whole lot better. A whole lot better. Count the cost. And then say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need you. Cleanse me, I ask, and I thank you. Because remember what that scripture is. He was born of a virgin, lived 30 years, for three years did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on a cross for sins he didn't owe. They were your sin, they were my sin, but he died in our stead. And then on the third day, he rose again. That's the gospel. That's what you got to believe. That's what it's all about. That requires humility. That requires submission. That requires giving up. Have you done that? If not, today's your day. Whether it's online here, whatever. Do you know him? If you don't, it's as simple as, Jesus, help me. Or you could say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you. Come into my heart. Be my master. Be my Lord. And be my Savior. As we stand and sing the invitation hymn, if you've got business to do with God... I can pray, help pray you through it. If you just want to uh, come up here to the pew and pray, that's fine too. We used to call it an altar. However God's leading you, if you want to join this church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. Miss Joe.